This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, July 18th, 2020. Dornall, how was your week? Dude, it's been an all right week. Just I can't say that things have changed much around here. We're still in mostly stay-at-home social distancing business, so I'm mostly staying at home, but it's been 75 degrees and sunny all week on the Puget Sound, so I've enjoyed my walks to the park, and I've enjoyed my evenings playing role-playing games online. Does it get better than this? So much fun. That's it. That's it. That's my, that's my new dating profile. Loves long walks on the beach and <laughs> evenings playing role-playing games. Games online. Yes! There it is. That will bring all the girlies running. Of course! I gotta shake them off with a stick. Um, How about you? Uh, I am still recovering from... Uh, still recovering from the surgery... You sound in great spirits today, uh, which is a contrast from last week, I might add. Yeah, I woke up. I was kind of dehydrated this morning, so I've been drinking water steadily. And then the two meals I've eaten so far, I had to make sure they were water heavy or liquid heavy. I had some broth. I had some uh, sugar-free Jello. Uh, both of those are liquid heavy, so... Uh, I could hurry up and get some liquid into me before the show so my brain would be functional. Sounds like it's, well, it's as functional as it ever gets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, though, I, uh, I haven't been a bad week. I don't want, I mean, yeah, I was dehydrated, but that's just, you drink water and you get better. I'm not trying to say it's been bad. I'm not trying to play, you know, oh, poor me. No, it, it's, uh, it's been a good morning. I uh, Actually, I've been reading some Dresden this morning. Oh, yeah? So good you had to think. keep reading. Not the one you think. No, I, I've been reading uh, not side cases, not side jobs, but short cases, which will come into uh, play when we go to talk about peace talks. But before we do, yo, um, <laughs> I got taken in by a hoax this morning, man. Tell me about it. John Carmack, who you may know, invented Doom. Mm -hmm. Genius. Posted something this day. So I want to talk about Windows. Uh, as computers have gotten faster and faster, uh, they've kind of reached the limits of how fast, how high the clock speed can be. Um, and Intel for a time was dodging that by deepening the pipeline in a processor uh, and then doing some other stuff. But we just really hit kind of the limit. 
So what they've been doing is increasing the number of cores on a processor. And when that hit kind of its limit, they've just been increasing, you know, other things to try and get around that. So now you have Windows has had to roll with this. Um, and in the task manager, you will have in one part of it, a list of the cores, the physical processors in your computer. And they list them in a grid. You know, if you have four physical cores uh, or even logical processors, if you have virtual processors for whatever reason, it'll give you a two by two grid or, uh, you know, four by four or so on. Well, some genius who was a scammer, but was also a genius, noticed that this grid kind of looked like pixels. Ooh, I think I see where this is going. <laughs> and so they created, now what, what this grid is for is it lists the temperature of any individual processor so you could see if any of them was overheating. And uh, you would have the heat in a processor is more or less directly, uh, more or less directly proportional to the amount of work that individual processor is doing. So if it's not doing any work, the task manager, or if it's doing very little, will show it as white. If it's doing some work, it'll be a light color. In this case, it's blue. It's going to be light blue. If it's doing more work, it'll be slightly darker blue. And if it's doing a lot of work, it'll be very dark blue. So now you have pixels. And you have ways of coloring those pixels according to the amount of work you're sending to the processor. Pause for sip. <laughs> I have to take several sips while I'm talking because as noted, I'm kind of dehydrated. And so my mouth dries out in an instant, especially when I'm talking. That's why my voice is a rough, rougher than it usually is. So let's connect the dots, DW. <laughs> what, what does John Carmack have to do with this? Well, someone made a video where they made a program running Doom in the Taskmaster <laughs> on the processors in the computer. That's lovely. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. I'll read his tweet. Someone noticed that when you have hundreds slash thousands of cores in a supercomputer, the individual utilization boxes and task managers start to look like pixels. 
people started to make pictures by doing different amounts of work on specific processors. It escalated quickly. <laughs> so they're using these pseudo pixels to play Doom. Not by playing Doom on a core. <laughs> right. <laughs> but by using the cores as a display for Doom. By using the cores as a display by running them hot. <laughs> <laughs> a hot core being a dark pixel. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it it's actually a hoax. Oh, that's a shame. A uh, person faked it. Uh, he's got like the... And a, a poster on Reddit discovered this. Several people discovered this. Um, and as people keep on pointing out all the hoaxes, the guy keeps on refining the video. As people keep on pointing out errors, he refines the video and posts a new ver version without that specific error. <laughs> <laughs> so very clever but somebody uh actually went out and this is not as visually impressive because the doom one has a, a huge number of pixels it looks like i don't know like 30 by 20 pixels so that's a crap load of cores they're supposed to be dealing with whereas the guy who did it for real and someone did do it for real, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight by eight cores. And what they did is they're playing a music video and then uh, translating that into a very pixelated picture. But it is even more impressive because they did it for real. Wow. They coded a program that would translate this music video into a highly pixelated picture that is running as a displayment to uh, show heat on individual cores on this computer. So, you know, I got taken in by a hoax. That's the headline here. But I also discovered that they're they're doing it for real. It's not a hoax. This is a real capability of computers, and it's real code that can be written and run, and it can be shown on the task manager. Uh, and and I think that's just impressive as hell. That's outstanding. That somebody went through and took a hoax, a fake video, and could do it and did it. So you know, I'm giving. Applause to the programmer who made it a real thing. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. That's what make it, made it such a good hopes. hoax. It's perfectly plausible that you could do something like that. Uh, that reminds me of a, a similar video. I, I wish to say that this is wholly original and amazing, but a similar video. Have you ever seen the oscilloscope playing Quake? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. Same idea. Go ahead and look that up on YouTube. Really we, funny we, to watch. We talked about that on the show once. <clears throat> oh, yeah? I mean, we've had so many shows, they all kind of blur together. <laughs> and by blur together, I mean it's mostly just me hearing the echo of your intro over and over and over again. 
Um, so anyways, folks, that's, uh, I, but I just had to tell you, it was impressive as hell watching Doom being played on, on processors. <laughs> I'm really sad. It was a hoax. I was, I was so sad. I mean, I'm glad somebody told me before I went on the show, you know, <laughs> really glad somebody reached out and said, no, this isn't real war pig. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then I'm also glad that I took the time to go to Reddit, read the guy's posts, and because he's the one who linked to this other guy who did it for real. So, but uh, yeah, impressive as hell. Now, <laughs> something else I wanted to talk about before we got to peace talks, because I thought this was f- funny, and I thought it was 2022 a T. Sony, Sony's official Twitter account, posted a a trailer for a game that's coming out in September, supposedly. Although, maybe not, because it has been yanked after the controversy erupted. And then they took this trailer almost immediately down, but not before somebody downloaded it. Of course. Naturally. And re-uploaded it. (laughs) It's for a new game. A new game, okay. It's a full motion video game. I thought we banned those after the Sega CD. (laughs) Because apparently it's 1990 again. Wow. Or 1992, whenever those came out. Yeah, Sega CD. So 1992, right? Sounds about right. And it's called... Are you ready for this? I'm seated. It's called... Gamer Girl. (laughs) Also known as Twitch TV, the video game. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. So, Gamer Girl... Yes, it's Twitch TV. She's the host of a Twitch-like TV show. A Twitch-like streaming show. <laughs> and uh, she, you... But it's, but it's like Night Trap where you're watching the stream and monsters come up from behind and you have to try to stop them or something? Oh, no, you wish. That would be more interesting, I think. You play her mod... Oh, I thought you were going to say you play her mom and try to get her to do something productive with her life. Yeah, something better. <laughs> she is a full-on Twitch streamer. Female Twitch streamer. And I don't want to be rude to people who have 10 million followers and can send them after me like an arm like an army of army ants. But I will say that female Twitch streamers tend to thrive based on certain attributes that they do not hide their candle 
under a bushel when it comes to these attributes. If you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, there's there's very strong attributes that that can earn you a rise in popularity. Some people are naturally gifted with those attributes. Some people to pay uh, to enhance them. Uh, but of the most popular Twitch streamers, either you are very good at the games you play, or you are very entertaining, or you just have a natural aptitude at the business, which, as I said, either comes naturally or you can pay to have enhanced. Now, all I'm saying is whoever made this game, they had certain intentions that they have expressed, but they didn't let their intentions get in the way of realistically depicting what a female, what many, not all, if, you, if you're a fan of female Twitch streamers, I'm not talking about the one you specifically are a fan of. They did not let that get in the way of a realistic depiction of a of female Twitch streamers, generally speaking. It, in one scene, she is dressed in panties and a crop top. Because... I... That doesn't remind me of any Twitch stream I've seen. Maybe I've been watching the wrong Twitch streams. I have heard tell that this has happened before. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, okay. And, and Twitch has adjusted their policies to technically outlaw things like this. Mm -hmm. Man, I hate trying to be all polite. <laughs> be all polite. They're 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 showing off the goods, and Twitch had said, "Yeah, no, let's let's cut that out," which sort of works. And they sort of enforce it. Sort of, mostly, kinda. Mostly, if you're small, getting less enforcey as you get bigger and bigger. Mm. And so, yeah. And uh, everybody's figured out where the line is, and they 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 lo they lower everything to that line, and it's all good. Yeah. So there's a bunch of bad people in the stream making comments. There's commenters on the stream. And you're supposed to identify bad people and take them out. But then she has a GoPro and she gets out into the real world and wanders around with her GoPro streaming in from the real world. And she turns to you and asks you for advice as she go on, goes wandering around the real world. But obsessed fans, those bad and evil obsessed fans who are gamers, um, some of them go after her in the real world, but you don't know that at the beginning. And she asks you for advice. Oh, should I go alone? Should I to this dangerous spot to see if my friend is okay? Should I go on a date with this hot chick who likes me and I kind of like her? Uh, just it, it's like you choose your own adventure only. She's asking you for advice because that's a totally normal thing to do. That's happens every day on Twitch. Yeah, it's exactly 
exactly what gamer girl streams are like. What, um, what is going on here? <laughs> the guy had a real long statement about it that, but it's about the 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 show. The game is about toxic fandom and how they attach onto people and yada yada yada. Oh, I see. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's hilarious that even that that concept should have been stillborn uh, in 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 the corporate office somewhere. What a See, horrible idea. And I hate to say this. This could actually have been a great game. Um, uh, done tongue-in-cheek, maybe? No, I mean, if you did it, like, as a horror game. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be Night Trap. Um, and I, I don't mean a cheesy, bad horror game. I mean, like, a legit horror game. Um... I'm going to call you out on that. You've been watching a lot of horror the past couple of months. Is it ever not cheesy? Really? We did it. Got him. If you Got like em. horror, horror is not cheesy. If you don't like horror, if you find horror ridiculous, all horror is cheesy. Oh, I put me in that category. Um... So yeah, I mean, if you don't like horror, all horror is cheesy. Um, I like horror. Um, but I see what you mean. Yeah, that sort of that would be a great setup because you, as the player, you're you're playing either a moderator or a fan, and you become invested in the character, and horrible things are happening, and so you try to stop your favorite streamer from getting devoured by monsters or stabbed by a serial killer or something like that. Like, you could do something with that. That sounds like a great start. Yeah, and I'm not saying they... It doesn't look like they did. It looks like they did something dumb. And they were way too interested in sending a message. But it could have been a good game. Sure. Or, I mean, and, and I'm just thinking, maybe this game was actually so bad it's entertaining. That's also possible, too, um, to where it's just so cheesy as it is and so dumb that it might be worth uh, playing just for the hoots and hollers. Or maybe a, a Let's Player could play through it and, and it would be so bad that the audience would just get a thrill out of how bad it is. But, yeah, this game could have been good for either of those reasons, uh, but it doesn't look like they hit that. And apparently there was a huge swarm of controversy, which I missed. So I'm guessing it was woke-ish controversy. <laughs> oh, well, typical. Typical for video games these days. Um, we, got a, I, we got a comment in the chat. I, I, I don't get this reference. Do you know Futurama very well? I know Futurama, yes. Do you, do you get the reference? Hey, welcome to the show of Crate. I'm really glad you jumped in and, and joined us on the chat. Futurama style with McNeil. The uh, I was hoping you'd you'd get that one. I don't I don't get that one. Maybe he'll explain. I'm gonna have to look this up. 
on the internet. But anyway, that's that's hilarious. It's just 2020. I mean, the whole company is named like FMV uh, Inventions or FMV Future or something. It, it's a whole company dedicated to making FMV video games springs up. They've made an FMV video game. It's a woke FMV video game. It gets accidentally announced by Sony. All the gamers in the room hoot and holler at it because it sounds dumb and kind of boring. And then the woke brigade goes after the woke video game. And all of a sudden, they scrub every trace of it off the internet, and it looks like it might have been canceled. All in the space of, like, two or three days. <laughs> Is that one of the benefits of the internet, that you can do your A-B testing for new projects right away? And you know what we call that in, uh, in software development and other things like that? It's uh, fail fast. <laughs> Get your concept out there. If your potential, uh, if your potential customers give you lots of negative feedback, you can say, "Well, all right, never mind. We'll change that up. Fail fast." So, I mean, this looks like a game they actually made and shot on video and or whatever, and and they're just gonna lose all their money. Ouch. Oh well. Oh well. Hey, when you've got when you're a giant corporation with, with millions of dollars to burn to just hire an actress to do a bunch of FMV for a game, you can do that. You can take those shots. Okay. So before we do the book, because we, we need to start the book like right about now, um, do you want to... Hmm. No, let's jump into the book. We're out of let's, time. For... We are way out of time. We, we're doing the same thing we did last week, where we the show was about one thing, and it took us 36 minutes to get to the thing. Was it 36 minutes? It was 36 minutes. I did the timestamp the other day. All right, let's stop, because uh, it's only been 26 <laughs> minutes. Now let's, let's go. Let's beat last week's record. Daddy Warpig, we both read Jim Butcher's New Dresden Files novel, Peace Talks. Yes, it's so, been years since... Jim Butcher's released any novel. That's right. He did uh, the Aeronauts Windless, which I loved. We yeah yeah I liked that one too. New steampunk series, and then he disappeared. And we've known for a couple of years that the name of the book was Peace Talks, and that he was going to come out with it. But it was a long time. Do we know Apparently, why? He got married and he moved. Yes, his bio says that he lives in Colorado. He used to be, uh, I think he used to be a Midwestern guy. Um, and Jim Butcher hates moving more than anything in the entire universe? Uh, moving in haircuts, I think. That was, that was a joke. He wears his hair long. Tough room. I think the audience was laughing. Sip. <laughs> um, so, so tell me about it what do you think uh, well let me get my verdict out of the way if you're if you like the Dresden Files series 
and you're up on the Dresden Files series, I would definitely buy this right now and read it. If you've never read the Dresden Files series, I would not recommend this as a jumping on point. Um, I think Skin Game was actually a good jumping on point. Skin Game would be pretty good. I always tell people to read Deadbeat. Because oh, that's, that's the most fun. That's the most fun Dresden Files. Deadbeat is a great jumping on point. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's like book seven, so you, you can go as far back as book three or four if you want. Um so yeah, I, I actually agree. I uh, this is this is the sequel that fans of the Dresden Files have been waiting for for years. It's not for it's not to introduce someone to the series. It's it's chock full of good stuff. It's readable by someone who's coming first coming to the series, but it's not a good introduction to the, to the setting and the characters. It's got everybody in it. And you do get enough to kind of know who they are. But if you haven't read the series, you're going to be kind of confused. Because you're not going to have enough background to really know the character. It feels, yeah, it feels a little bit like one of those comic book movies with all the cameos of minor characters that only the comic fans are going to get. Yeah, kind of like, kind of like it. I, I don't want to say Infinity War because that gives kind of a misimpression of the book, but it's kind of. Yeah, like, unlike the Avengers movies, this is good. <laughs> it, it is. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is this is a good book. It's an enjoyable book. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. Um, but it's not a comfortable, smooth jumping on point for the whole series. It's it's not a good standalone book. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, what what can we say without doing too much spoilers? How about a quick synopsis? Would, how would that work? It's a book called Peace Talks. It revolves around Peace Talks, and Harry Dresden is in the mix. If you've read any Harry Dresden novels, you should know by now that things go sideways and the Peace Talks don't go off well. That's not a spoiler. That is primitive pattern recognition that's that's what you're signing up for that's why you bought the book <laughs> you, you know that you you have to know that it's harry dresden and it's a book things aren't going to go well if the peace talks went well it wouldn't be the subject of a book it'd be the subject of a one-liner throwaway comment that happened in between books <laughs> Okay, folks, I hope I'm not disappointing you. I hope I'm not giving anything away here. Harry's involved. It's a story. The peace talks. There, there's some complications. <laughs> complications ensue. And as uh, Harry is fond of pointing out over and over again in his book, Complications in Harry Dresden usually looks like buildings blowing up and firebombs and things. 
which could happen. You never know. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm titchy about spoilers that aren't really spoilers. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Definitely. It's, yeah, that's it. The, the background, you know, the, I, I, I there's a word for it, but the meta plots like a premise, the premise. premise. Thank you. The premise. Yeah. You've got these peace talks and all the action revolves around this thing um if if you're not familiar with the with the setting it's uh it's an urban fantasy setting sort of like the world of darkness role-playing games so the peace talks are among supernatural nations for lack of a better word so there you go all the supernaturals are are getting together and and crazy stuff is going to happen uh we can lift some list a few of them if you like there is uh vampires of a couple of different kinds there are uh the white council of wizards human mortal wizards um there are the sasquatches and yetis uh, who are trying to get added to these accords for the first time there's the summer court of the she there's the winter court of the she um there is also a, the Fomori, um, who are various groups of people who live under the sea who have banded together. Um, you can step in for the ones I may have missed. There's the Svartalf, um, who are short little guys, tinkers, very, very powerful. There is... Uh, There's other Norse... Uh, mythology involved as well there's valkyries and and ein Herjar and uh, and odin might show up you know all of these beings are signed to uh a massive peace treaty that's lasted for over a thousand years that details uh various protocols on how they can interact uh and it doesn't forbid war between them but it does set up Kind of like the, um, kind of like the four Geneva Conventions, it sets up rules by which war can be conducted to keep it to keep the supernatural world from going to all-out war. Because if the supernatural world goes to all-out war, it's going to spill over into the mortal world. And once mortals get roused, once they're fully aware of the supernatural world, they can deploy all. Uh, they outnumber the supernatural world by, you know, hundreds of thousands to one, and they have nukes. And nukes trump magic most of the time. Uh, and so it'll be a slaughter. And so they want to keep from being noticed by mortals, and so they uh, have these accords that keep the peace outside of specifically prescribed uh, means by which wars can be declared and started and conducted. So there are all of these signatories are showing up to have new signatories added to these accords and to uh, uh, negotiate some additional terms under them. How was that? 
thorough. Yeah, it's a great background. If you've been following the series, uh, that that puts our lovable main character in a in a precarious position, full of conflicts of interest, and so he gets to he gets to be the center of attention, which is great. What can I say about the book itself? I think Jim Butcher has really turned in a uh, an enjoyable read because one of the hallmarks of the Dresden series is it's run, written in first person from Harry Dresden's perspective, and he's a great, likable narrator. It is simply fun to hang out with Harry as he tries to uncover all the nefarious plots and get himself into trouble and make poor decisions with his life uh, that get him and his friends in even more trouble. It's, for lack of a better word, I said it, it's fun. Uh, I think it. I think it does the trick. I, I. I am really glad to be able to get back to Harry Dresden after so many years. Um, and let me step in for a bit. Um, there was an anthology released since the last Harry Dresden novel of a bunch of stories that uh, Jim Butcher wrote and appeared in various books. Um, and the anthology, which I mentioned uh, at the start of the show, is Short Cases. Um, it is not necessary for reading this novel. However, a great many things that might puzzle you about this novel uh, are explained in the stories in short cases. For example, in the beginning of the novel, Harry Dresden, and, and this is not a spoiler because it's literally the first words on the first page. Not a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. Harry Dresden is living in Molly Carpenter's apartment at the Svartalf building in Chicago. And you might be thinking, well, that's kind of weird. Why does Molly have an apartment at the Svartalf building in Chicago? Why? What are the Svartalf? Svartalf. Why do they have a building in Chicago? Well, that's covered in a couple of the stories in this one anthology. So I hadn't read this anthology. I bought it a couple of years ago. I hadn't read it because, uh, as has been previously mentioned on this show, I'm busy as heck, and I don't get around to reading things nearly as quickly as I would like or ever. Um, but after reading the Dresden, after reading Peace Talks, I thought, man, I should probably read that too, just so I can get all caught up. And I read it, and I was like, oh, well, that's where that comes from. Oh, well, that's where this comes from. Molly at one point mentions, oh, I was out collecting tribute for Mab, because Molly is the new Winter Queen. Uh, and then I'm reading in through this, uh, through this anthology, and one of the stories is about her collecting tribute for Mab. So if you want to know what that is about, it's a story in this anthology. If you want to know why she has an apartment in this Svartoff building, it's a story in this anthology. Harry mentions going to the zoo with his daughter and mouse. If you want to know what that's about, guess what? 
and I'm sure you recognize the pattern. It's a story. Geekab, we recognize patterns. That's our job. So yes, all a lot of these things that you might otherwise be kind of curious about are stories in this anthology. So I'm not saying this anthology is necessary to understanding this book, but once you've read it, if there are some things that you feel kind of confused about that you might need cleared up, read the anthology. I'm going to have to do uh, also, that. Um, and I may not have mentioned this before now. The stories in the anthology are entertaining and fun, too. If you care, I do. They're entertaining and fun. I realize I'm giving a bad review of the anthology, but uh, yeah, they're entertaining and fun. You know what? That's all you need out of a review. Uh, you go in those Amazon reviews and they're like paragraphs of, oh, blah, 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 blah. No. Was it good? Did you like it? Would you recommend I read it? Yes. Done. Go. I would recommend you read this anthology. It is fun. It is entertaining. It is even a hoot and a holler, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's, I think that's his, that's the author's signature at this point. Because there's a lot of catching up with characters in this book. Uh, and Jim Butcher through the entertaining and, and fun narrator makes it fun and entertaining. There's lots of setup for the peace talks. He's got to put all the pieces on the chessboard together, you know, and, and arrange it so that the payoff is satisfying and it's fun the whole time. I honestly don't know how he does it. One of the stories in the anthology is Butter's first quest as a knight of the sword. <laughs> that sounds great. And he he's doing it solo. Um, and it is a great little story. Just, and you're proud of the guy. You're proud of the little guy at the end of it. Yeah, Butters is awesome. Um. So yeah. Uh, we have. Oh. This is not a spoiler per se, but you should know, if you haven't read the book, it ends on a cliffhanger, leaving you waiting for the sequel. But the sequel is called Battlegrounds. And as I am speaking to you right now, or excuse me, it's called Battleground. And as I am speaking to you right now, uh, I am looking this up in Amazon. It will come out on September 29th. So yes, it is a cliffhanger ending. But the cliffhanger book is coming out in just a couple of months, and you will get that resolved. So you don't have to put off reading this book for years. 
if you're the kind that can't handle or can't stand cliffhanger endings. Battleground. September 29th. Um, Looking forward to it. I really enjoyed Peace Talks. I just looked it up on Amazon as I was talking. And apparently I pre-ordered the item on April 25th. <laughs> so that would have been the day I found out it existed. So I'm a sucker for the Dresden Files. What you gonna do? I pre-ordered this book, even though it was uh, sixteen bucks an ebook. My goodness! All kinds of people are gonna be upset. They're gonna be like, "How could you do that? That's it's highway robbery. You're." giving yourselves over to the slave whip of trad pub. And I'm like, you know what? In this case, I don't care. I think everybody has an exception for a particular entertainer or author. They're willing to pay top dollar for this work. I think Jim Butcher's earned it. It's worth it for me. I don't care. I don't buy trad pub authors I, in fact i don't i guess if you call bayon trad pub i buy like john ringo and larry korea and some of the others uh but yeah jim butcher is the only one i would ever shell out that much money for i just don't care I will willingly shell it out. I happily shell it out. So that that's my measure for this book, folks. You ask me, hey, you shelled out $16 for an ebook. Do you feel like you were ripped off? No, I, I was happy to spend the money. In fact, if I had to spend it again, knowing what I know now, go back in time, say, okay, you're going to spend it again. I would spend it again. So take that as a recommendation for what it's worth. That's how much I enjoyed the book. I would willingly spend the $16 again. And I couldn't say that about every book. Uh, so, yeah. Good times. Um, is... I hate to be a downer. Is there anything you didn't like? The beginning felt a little weak to me. Mm -hmm. uh, not super weak, but a little weak. Um, it took a little while to get going. I understand we were catching up with people and stuff, but... Uh, I've uh, Yeah, I, I experienced the same thing. It felt like the... First act ended at around page 70, which felt a little long to me, but I, I, had to, I had to tell myself that he was putting a lot of pieces on the chessboard for the mayhem. I, I think it was, it was really up until chapter four, I was, it just felt weak. And then after that, things kind of picked up. 
Uh, yeah, that's and that's a true strength. When when everything gets rolling, uh, you just you can't put the book down. I I uh, I stopped after page seventy. It was a good breaking point. Went and got some dinner, and then the next day I picked it up and I couldn't put it down for the rest of the book. Outstanding. <laughs> I got an email. I don't know why. I checked my email literally four minutes after Amazon sent me the email saying it was available. Hmm. And I looked uh, at my Kindle app and it was downloading, but I had to go to bed. Absolutely had to go to bed right then. But I woke up in the morning, got my breakfast, started reading the book, and I just read the book straight through. That's all I did that morning. Wow. It was fun. It was good. Um, um, the, the There's one other thing I, I will caution perspective readers if you've been listening this long and you're not a fan of jim butcher or you don't know if you're a fan of jim butcher the uh the, this book and the last few dresden file books have been pretty heavy with pop culture references the the dresden files isn't a series that is going to stand the test of time as classics it's it's going to be tough to revisit those books 40 years from now and really get a lot of the humor and, and this and the situations the writing is excellent uh, but if that sort of thing turns you off star wars references whatever then maybe maybe you wouldn't like that sort of thing i know at least one person who quit the series because of that uh, and that comes up a bit in this book but it it's so entertaining uh, i enjoyed it but i know that that might turn someone off that's the only bad thing i have to say about it okay we've been treading water waiting for the Big red sign. Big red sign. Is it big red sign time? Let's do it. Okay, folks, we're going to give you a couple of minutes to, uh, if you're listening to this in your car or if you're across the kitchen or, you know, doing something else, we're going to start talking spoilers. Um, and then I'm going to get into my surmises from the book. That is not exactly a spoiler, but it is... Uh, some things that happen in the book that I've got some theories on we're going to talk about. So if you haven't read the book and you want to read the book and you don't want any of the details given away, which, by the way, in this case, you shouldn't want the book to be given away. That's just my advice. You may care about that. You may not. That's fine. Um, we're going to be talking spoilers for the rest of the show. And the reason why I'm doing this long intro to spoilers is I have been made aware that sometimes people need time to run and turn the show off so that they don't get spoiled. So we're giving you a nice, healthy, long time to get up and get out and come back to the show later after you've read the book so you can participate in the discussion, maybe leave comments uh, on the YouTube video or whatever. So once again, we're talking spoilers from here on in. Um, uh, we have given, I've given this book a, a high recommend if you are, have read a lot of the Dresden Files. If you haven't read the Dresden Files, go check out Deadbeat, uh, or Skin Game. Both of those are good introductions to the series for new readers. Uh, and I would say Deadbeat is the best. Deadbeat really is the best. That's a great call, uh, on John's part. So, after talking about the book in sort of general, vague, generic terms. Spoilers ahoy. 
I think I was healthy enough. That was uh, almost two minutes. You good. Okay. Best I could do, folks. We, we already have – thanks for hanging out in the chat, guys. Uh, I, I hope you're still here to hear this. Uh, a couple of people have actually dropped <laughs> because of the warning. Uh, so they, they they appreciate that a lot, and it's great to have you guys listening in. All right, DW, what do you want to talk about? Um, so spoilers. Okay. I don't know if you guys uh, – anybody remaining who has uh, – uh, who has read the book um, – Just as a review, let's start with just as a review instead of, you know, analysis of things. Um, I did think the first four chapters were, uh, I'm not saying they were bad. They had some strong points to them, but I did feel like they were weak. Um, and, and I didn't go back and reread them to point where individual points of weakness were. I just, and, and, and I can't even explain what was weak about him to that extent. It just like they weren't sharp. They weren't as punchy. Just the whole thing. They just weren't holding my attention as much, I guess. Uh, do, you, do you have one as an example? No. Fair enough. I wish I did. I just—it's all right. What's uh, so? What does that? What does that mean? I'm gonna have to do some hard thinking about this mm. and come back later. I may have to. So this is the kind of thing that, like, in a week, a week or a week and a half, I'm gonna have a solid answer, but we never get to discuss it on the show because. You know, it's past. It's not topical anymore. So I will know for a fact what this means in like a week and a half, two weeks or something. But they just felt weak. Like they weren't. What it really felt like to me, and I'll be honest, this is what I was thinking, is like he was getting back up on the horse again. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't quite back up to his usual high standard of writing. He wasn't quite back to being Jim Butcher again. Like he had been away from it a while. And right. it wasn't quite Jim Butcher anymore. But then, you know, past chapter four, things got back into the swing of things. Uh, and and I, I'm not saying it's even like what was happening in the book. It was... It just didn't feel like he was uh, he was back in the groove yet. I'm, and I'm not saying that's literally what happened. That's just like how it felt. Sure. I mean, the I think that was partially due to what, like you said, he had been out of it for a while. And also what he was doing. Because the Dresden Files have very exciting second and third acts uh, the way the way it all comes together and and the way Harry gets himself out of his uh, often 
self-inflicted predicament is entertaining and and you're fun to have along the ride but this the this book was structured a little bit differently too there was a there's a lot more setup there's the peace talks which he had to establish at the beginning of the book in uh, with some awkward exposition and all the different players right because we had to establish that he's the winter knight and so he owes mab queen mab favors he and queen mab has asked him to do favors for the queen of the white court of vampires the uh, a succubus and that has to do with his brother who is also an incubus and it, it's a bit of a soap opera in that respect but the idea is is that he's just got to set up all these interlocking pieces and um in some cases plot devices that he can use later to make that to make the second two-thirds of the book really exciting i think he pulls it off but yeah it's like here's all these here's all these people you've got queen mab and 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 then he also throughout the whole book does a little bit heavy on the cameos right we can't have a dresden book without seeing michael we can't have a dresden book without talking about the um the knights of the sword we uh, we can't talk about we can't have a dresden without seeing butters and uh mentioning oh yeah there's this book with werewolves in it um skin game and uh and like, let's see, let's check in on how the werewolves are doing. There's a little too much of that. This reads to me, and I'm going to be a little more charitable to, to Jim Butcher here. This reads to me like a uh, an apology letter to his fans. Uh, it felt like fan service. Like, hey guys, I know it's been a long time. Here's all your characters. Yeah, everybody gets a cameo. That sort of thing. I think that's forgivable, but... Yeah, it, it it dragged down the beginning of the book, and it, it took it took him a couple of chapters to get in stride. But it was uh, it was fun when it got there. What do you think? Um. Yeah, it it did have a lot of fan service in it, or I could yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I absolutely James McCormick. Uh, Michael's definitely a fan favorite and the best non-wizard character in the book, <laughs> in the whole series. Oh, Everybody so loves Michael. Did James just tune in? Sounds like it. He he must have missed the uh, <laughs> must have missed the two minute spoiler warning, which can't be helped. If you uh, if you missed the two minute spoiler warning, you were not warned. Sorry, we gave a spoiler warning. We're in the last you know little bit of the show, so we're doing spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoilerized, we didn't uh, we didn't actually spoil too much, but yeah, we talked a little bit more about the characters and what was involved in the plot, and uh, so yeah, the Jim Butchers uh, getting back to form. The we both agree that the setup, the act one, was a little slow, but uh, what did you think about the new threat? I didn't know it was a cliffhanger until I read the book. And when you get to the end and they introduce a brand new monster at the very end, and I went, that's funny. You don't introduce a monster like that at the very end of a book. What's going on here? And then we got to the cliffhanger and I went, no. <laughs> what did you think? Um, 
I I didn't really have an opinion on it. I kind of just accepted it. She she wasn't on screen long enough to establish a real presence or a real villainy or a real sense of threat. The the only the, the he did establish the threat by warfing Queen Mab. Remember Star Trek Next Generation, every time they needed to establish uh, an alien as a threat, yeah. they'd have him they'd have him beat up Worf. And uh, unfortunately, as a result, Worf, I don't think he's ever won a fight. <laughs> Here's but, the thing. Yeah, he, he, he warfed Queen Mab. Like, here's a new big bad. Watch, watch her kick Queen Mab through three walls. It's... That's not as... Like Nicodemus... All right. Yeah. He didn't do much of anything, and he was established as a threat. You knew he was a bad guy. You knew he was bad, 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 bad. I was not. Yeah, she kicked Mab out, and that's you know impressive and stuff. But it was a moment that came and went so quickly that it didn't really impress me as much as Nicodemus's introduction. Especially because we, as an audience, were all distracted during that event. Um. It was not as impressive as it could have been. And so the threat wasn't as established as it could have been. I'm not saying he should have written it differently or should have changed the plot or anything. I'm just saying that he has had more effective villain introductions. And I'm sure she's really actually big and bad. And I'm sure she's got loads and loads and loads of, you know, her henchmen behind her. But I'm not going to, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be real impressed with her until, uh, until Battleground comes out. And maybe that's unfair and maybe that's unwise, but that's just... She didn't impress me. Sure. Yeah, same here. I, I was a little surprised that, like I said, I was, I was very surprised to see a new big bad introduced right at the end. Not knowing that there was, I was a little, I was a little uh, con concerned because I didn't know it would be a cliffhanger. But as soon as it became evident that it was going to be a cliffhanger, which when you're reading the uh, paper version, the, the hardcover, you can actually tell it's a cliffhanger because you're running out of pages. <laughs> it it would have been more impressive if she had done something to Mab and then Mab had struck back, you know, with all the power of winter. And then, you know, instead of just right. tossing Mab. Well, no, you make a good point because uh, for the other villains, 
he talks a lot and and has established the terrible things that they do, but Mab's power has manifested itself in her minions and and the you know the the mental and psychological torture she puts people like Harry and Molly through that she doesn't have the same sort of menace. In other words, there's a lot of tell and, and less show with Mab than with the other villains of the series. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. If there had been a little back and forth where we saw Mab and her do impressive things and then, you know, she tossed Mab all the way out of Chicago. <laughs> that would have been impressive. I would have been like, wow. You know, seeing Mab unleash some of her full powers, that would have been cool. Been a little yeah. bit more impressive. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. I, I, and I'm not trying to nitpick. It just it didn't impress me as much as maybe it should have. Um, so, well, what what can I say? I mean, let me let me let me turn this around on you. Would, and I think we're onto something here. Would this story have been good or interesting if a lesser author had written it? No. This is I mean, the, 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 the plot wasn't great. It was, it was something to hang a Harry Dresden story on. The plot was a repeat of skin game. Is that so? Huh. Because what was skin game? You got me. Skin game was Nick turning in a favor to get Harry to help him rob, to help him break into a place and steal something. Okay. Well, for different reasons, but it's um, kind of recycled. Uh, I'll tell you what I expected from the setup. The setup, uh, the setup is that there's all these pieces on the board, and there's going to be peace talks, and we know that they all are at each other's throats, and at least one of the parties, the Fomori, has been engaging has been waging war on mortals. And so they're a big fucking problem. Right. Yeah. And, and the way that Harry's got his multiple conflicts of interest, you know, he's, he's literally got a compulsion to assist the white court vampires. His brother who is a white court vampire is actually in prison about to be executed for an assassination attempt. Um, they never really satisfactory explain why he did it. I've got a theory. Um, anyway, uh, all these things you're putting together, and I think that's what made the ending uh, a bit of a, a head scratcher for me because I thought I was reading the setup to a Guy Ritchie film, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch, when all the all the balls he's set into motion are rolling together, and and the camera's focused on the impact site, and let's see what happens when they all collide. Right. Yeah, they don't collide. Right. The the peace talks happen, 
the parties collide. There's there's a few incidents and a lot of animosity, but they don't collide, and instead uh, an external threat comes in, brought in by the Fomori. I mean, it is one of the parties, but the party that we knew was going to cause trouble, right? Brought in by one of the parties, and boom, sets up the next book. Here we go. Um, I was hoping for more of chaos and 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 the I wanted the supernatural accords to explode or implode, uh, or that's what I was expecting. Um, which is which is fine, you know, because because you know the author probably wants his setting to be around for future books. <laughs> um, but there's also uh, he also hinted at the existential, the other existential threat, the external threat that the winter they are charged with defending, which is the only reason anybody puts up with them, uh, which was hinted at a couple times in the book. He was attacked by monsters from the outside. Uh, it's, it, it seems to be that the Fomori are in league with the outsiders, which is sort of hinted at as some sort of either satanic or uh, Lovecraftian alien just something that wants something that that hates uh the world and and will tear it apart that sort of thing and and so that's only hinted at uh which is i guess that's fine i guess that's to be expected but he's uh he's sort of he's gonna have to pay that off one day um so he, that that brings me to my first surmise Hmm. This is just uh, not just. This is a. This is uh, my first surmise. The outsiders are clearly working in league with the Fomori, and so I think that this Titan has gone crazy, just like all the other people who have been touched by outsider influence. And I think that explains why now this Titan completely disregards being detected by the mortal world and is willing to th throw the entire supernatural world into uh, into full knowledge of the mortal world. Sure. I, I mean, think they have... Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree completely. Why why would she do it now? Like, why, why, why would she wait until 2020 or whenever to do this? Um, we've seen it with Maeve. We've seen it with the whoever was leading... I can't remember whoever was leading the White Court Rebellion. Um gone crazy um and i am going to tell you who's behind thomas wraith's attack on the svartalfs um at the beginning of the book he says J -j and harry says to him no no it's okay justine i know i'll go take care of her and at the end of the book on the island, he turns up to Harry and says, J, J. And Harry says, no, no, Justine, it's okay. She's fine. She's safe. Harry is assuming way, way, way too much. Thomas Wraith is not saying Justine. He is saying Genoskawa. Genoskawa Ooh. was threatening Justine or other people close to Thomas Wraith and coerced him 
into attacking the Svartalf. And this is his first move in getting revenge against Harry. In the book, they mentioned that despite the fact Harry reduced him to ketchup, um, that he was alive and well, and they warned him specifically that he was coming back for revenge, that he was going to be there, and this is his first move in his revenge plot. Ooh, I like it. I hadn't picked up on that. Uh, yes, I like it. Uh, it seems plausible. And it it seems likely, and that's the thing I really didn't pick up on. It seems likely that he wasn't saying Justine. And by the law of conservation of characters, Jenna Scow is the best fit for that. He, he was mentioned too many times in the book for it to be a coincidence, I think. I think so, too. Good call. You should be an author. <laughs> so that ladies and gentlemen, is not a spoiler because it's not in the book, but it is my uh, surmise that uh, will retroactively spoil part of the book a little bit. Tiny. Oh, yeah, and, and you can't understand it without understanding all the spoilers, so. Yeah. So right, now, now that we've, uh, we've alienated everybody who hasn't read the book yet, <laughs> uh, do you have any other... Any other in, uh, intuitions or, or ideas insights? to enlighten insights to enlighten us? No, no, no. That those are the two I gleaned from the book so far. Is that the Titan is outsider touch? She's gone nuts like everybody else, and uh, Jenna Skawa put Thomas up to it, and he's coming for Harry. Oh, good. That'll be a perfect uh, stray bullet heading for Harry's head as he tries to take care of the Titan. Sounds like just the sort of thing uh, Jim Butcher likes to put in his Harry Dresden books. That'd be a heck of a thing to happen during Battleground. Oh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be a shame if it all came at him at once. And maybe that collision we were hoping for, uh, you know, those things coming together will actually happen during Battleground. That would be, uh, that would be great. That would be more satisfying. Yeah, uh, James James McCormick, the guy who, who joined us late in chat, said something that I had also been thinking uh, when I got near the end of the book. That I think this was this feels like a book that got a little too long, and instead of being edited down, they decided to make two books out of two it. Two books. Yeah. yeah, I thought this was a Tolkien kind of situation. <laughs> right. Um, he he might have been able to do peace talks in the aftermath as a single volume. Um, it might have felt rushed. It might have been good. Who knows. Uh, maybe maybe when he, he decided to introduce the villain the way that he did, it just looked so much better to arrange it as a second book. So, it, it is an enjoyable book, though, even though it's it's kind of the first half of the. Yeah, as we discussed, it's got its flaws, and, and this will be my final uh, this will be my final uh, opinion for those who have read the Dresden Files and like spoilers and everything like that. It is. Uh, it is flawed as a standalone book, but Jim Butcher's back, Harry Dresden back. It's a lot of fun to read, and he's such an enjoyable narrator that you love the ride. Read it. Get ready for Battleground in September. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's my opinion. We ready cool, to take off? 
I think we're done for the week. That was a lot of fun, Daddy Warpig. Thanks for hanging out with me on the Saturday. And I appreciate everybody who's uh, checking us out later on uh, iTunes and all that. And everybody hanging out in the chat. It was fun to talk about books and uh, funny video games and things like that. Uh, it's always good to be around, but I'm out for the week. All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody who tuned in live and everybody who will listen later. Um, we are available on SoundCloud.com. We're available on the Google Play Store, and we are available on the Apple iTunes Store. Um, you can uh, subscribe and listen to us on the device of your choice. And, of course, we're available on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. That's YouTube.com slash GeekGab. I am, we are, GeekGab is signing out for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret, we will be back.